Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for week two of our search for happiness, thankfulness, and contentment series. I know that uh, this week we are a little saddened as we're not meeting in person um, as due to concerns over COVID that things are kind of pulling remote again. And um, and so uh, please be assured that you are in our prayers during this time as the numbers continue to rise and, and uh, there's a lot of people sick out there. But the big idea of this series is that uh, it's going to highlight relevant and important topics related to happiness and contentment. The reality is happiness means something different to different people. Many in our context attempt to find happiness through things like material possessions or a new job or even a significant other. In the end, though, these things often leave us just as empty as we were before. The search for happiness in our study flips this approach on its head, detailing the importance of putting our focus on the person of Jesus as well as our walk with him. And so we invite you to journey with us as we look for lasting joy and contentment. And so uh, go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. This is a very familiar bit of scripture, and uh, it's going to provide us lots of encouragement today. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4 and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's where our scripture is going to complete today. But 1 Peter, first of all, is an incredible book found really late in the New Testament. 1 Peter gives persecuted Christians this powerful reminder that they have hope in the midst of any kind of suffering. From the time of Abraham, God's people were a misunderstood minority and should expect to face hostility because they live under King Jesus' rule. It's the same for us as well. It is simple in this book. Christians have a different king, and because of that, they are to live a different kind of life. A few themes of this book are really difficult, for example, like the first point. First Peter tells us that persecution is actually a gift. The apostles mentioned in First Peter are chosen by God, and their persecution is actually a gift because it offers them a chance to show others the surprising generosity and love of Jesus, which is fueled by hope in his return and victory over evil. Peter is hopeful that their imitation of Jesus and demonstration of his upside-down kingdom, which the hallmark of this is selfless service, will give power to their words as they bear witness to God's mercy and show people the beautiful truth about who Jesus is. First Peter was a call to show the Roman Empire that Jesus' kingdom is more beautiful than the way the Romans governed. For instance, it is better to rule through trust, service, and love over distrust, war, and oppression. I think we would all agree with that. 
But this is truly the sign of an upside-down kingdom. Love is always the indicator. Living a life, uh, a generous life, honestly, though, can be very difficult. This isn't a surprise to you or I. It is difficult because something happens inside of human beings in times of crisis, just like we're all going through right now. Our instincts are often self-preservation. They kick in hard, and we begin to cultivate a scarcity mindset. It becomes very easy to focus on the well-being of ourselves and our family and forget the difficulties of other people that surround us. We are especially prone to this kind of behavior in times of uncertainty, would I say 2020 or even in times of the pandemic. This is why so much toilet paper disappeared during the first wave. Self-preservation ruled. In 1 Peter, the book tells us that this Jesus of Nazareth was no stranger to any kind of suffering or even social instability. He grew up in a land occupied by a foreign military power. And oppressive oppressive Roman taxes made life difficult for all his family and his neighbors. Yet he called his followers to a very different kind of response. Notice this. He taught that our obsession with self-preservation not only makes us more miserable and anxious, but it actually creates more of the thing that we're trying to avoid. This is why Jesus' communities are called to live lives of generosity. This is one of the hallmarks of the book of 1 Peter. Because when we live a life that's generous, this combats self-interest and moves the community towards service to others, usually the poor, the outcast, the sick, the marginalized, and the oppressed, which is groups that Jesus spent a lot of time with. So who do you believe some of these groups are in our modern context, and how can you show them love and generosity this week? Just kind of think about the people in your sphere of influence and the people that you interact with daily. Uh, Maybe for some of us, it's uh, our barista that we see at Starbucks. For some of us, maybe it's family. For some of us, maybe it's a coworker. But the reality is many of us have that person that maybe we can reach better than anybody just because of our relationship with them. And so it gives us a really great opportunity to live lives that are generous around them and show them love. And in result, they actually see Jesus. Often in our world, the joy we hear so much about is not really joy at all, at least in the biblical sense. Instead, it usually is a shallow happiness that changes with every new situation. This is different from Peter's definition. Rather, he defines a joy that is ever-present, even during life's difficult moments. The guiding principle of attributes of love and generosity are of hallmark here. But throughout the Bible, we see instances of people who stood firm during their testing. Uh, One of the most uh, probably notable figures we actually see from the Old Testament is uh, one that we just spent six weeks in study over, uh, which would be the person of Job. Um, Because in his plight, um, it pushed him, of course, to places of worship and questions and seeking and and really, uh, really trying to get the attention of his creator. Um, but let's talk for a moment about verse 7, because verse 7 is ultra problematic when we look at it. Um, it's a very hard pill to swallow. Verse 7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Whenever it's talking about these, it's of course talking about 
trials. So we go through testing to prove the genuineness of our faith, but this is very different than what many call faith today. The more we go through testing, the more purified we become. This is a process that some refer to as holiness or being made more like Christ, that when we share in the fellowship of his sufferings, we become more like him in his death. Um, And is it true that sufferings actually um, bring about love and joy and contentment and thankfulness in us, whereas usually periods of great access um, and plenty often do not. Something to think about. But the Greek word for joy in verse 8 is chara, which literally means a reason for joy. A reason for joy is not what we find around us, but in the person of Jesus. This is something to write down if you have a pen close to you. Our joy is never a what. It is a who. I'm going to say that again. Our joy is never a what. It is a who. Having joy throughout your faith being tested is one of the greatest challenges that any Christian will ever face. With the world watching the church's every move, we have an opportunity to show others what real joy looks like, even despite our circumstances. So I want you to think about uh, maybe uh, one way um, that you could uh, really put this and showcase it to a world. Um, I want you to think about things maybe uh, that were really maybe that we think bring us joy. Um, if I was to ask you to load up a bag of your of your things that bring you joy, um, what would you put in that bag? Would it maybe be like a football? Are you really proud of your favorite sports team? Or even maybe it's a name tag uh, from your job. Maybe you really enjoy your employment um, and what you do uh, in your profession. Uh, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe in there you'd put like a Valentine's Day card uh, from your spouse or from your significant other. Um, but what would you put in your bag that brings you joy that you could show to someone else? Um, I know I recently asked my, my six-year-old, I said, if you could take anything for show and tell, what would you want to take? And her list was very interesting. She said, I'd want to take my parents, I'd want to take spaghetti, and I'd want to take my dog. Um, those are things that bring her joy. So what would bring you joy? And my question is, after thinking about all of those things, um, are they things that bring you happiness or joy? Um, and how many of us would actually put uh, in our bag the relationship that we have with Christ? And so as we kind of uh, end our time together today, um, I want you to think about a few questions in light of First Peter in our scripture reading today. What is the context of First Peter, first of all? And who controlled the Christians Peter was addressing? It's really important to this text. Also, how can Job's story inspire you to live a life of joy despite trials and difficulty? The third question is, what comes to your mind when you hear the word happiness? And lastly, what does the Greek word for joy, chara, mean? And what does the word actually mean to us today? I hope that you've enjoyed spending some time with us, uh, really, as we have investigated week two uh, in our scripture with Peter. If you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the comment section. Again, know that you're in our prayers during this time as we're not able to meet 
face to face and physically, but I do hope that uh, this provides you really great encouragement and joy in these days. Uh, that even though they're uncertain, we still know who holds tomorrow. Uh, we know Jesus is a gift, and Jesus is with us. Uh, his Holy Spirit lives within us, and we know that uh, we have nothing to fear because we have a different King. We don't serve this world. Um, our King is Jesus, and we have nothing to fear because of that. Again, thank you for joining us for week two of the Search for Happiness. Feel free to join us next week for another message as we wrap up the Search for Happiness. Take care, and God bless.